You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of theparkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio Arique, your host of the show, being joined, as always, by Jackson Moore, the publisher of the Barkboard. And Jackson, how are you doing? I believe you're down in the Bay Area today, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing good. I'm ready for football. Uh, I've had a little bit of uh, pre-football to start off. Uh, San Jose State has a Week Zero game, and I cover them as well for 24-7 sports. So I've been up in the Bay Area. I've gotten to see five football practices, but... I'm still itching to get out to Fresno State fall camp. It's a little bit different out there. So uh, Thursday's the big day, and uh, we'll be out there ready to watch the Bulldogs for practice number one. And, uh, and of course, Jackson is down in the Bay Area, Bay Area escaping the heat that is the Central Valley. <laughs> so I, I bet you're enjoying having at least a, a cooler temperature down there in the Bay Area. Yeah, you know, even when it's in the 80s, it's pretty hot over here. But <laughs> it's just a different type of heat, so anything is. Uh, a nice reprieve, but uh, Fresno State, it looks like they're going to be a little lucky. Uh, I'm looking at a forecast of 91 on Thursday, 93 on Friday, so it uh, won't be uh, all drenched in sweat uh, with our media clothes on the first couple of days of practice, it looks like. Yeah, just <laughs> just in time for fall camp, uh, the weather kind of cool, takes a little bit of a dip. Uh, that way, uh, it allows us to get our, our coverage there. Nothing like trying to cover um, these practices in triple digits. So uh, whenever you can get it into the double digits, that's a great thing for for coverage, so to speak. So, but Jackson, uh, you know we're we're heading into fall, uh, so that means you know school's getting ready to gear back up. But that also means that the football players are getting ready to hit the field. And so uh, I guess today we're we're going to be covering our fall camp preview. And so we're going to hit uh, position by position. And kind of get your latest update on what you see and what your uh, your forecast for the season is so far and what to expect in this fall camp so well, why don't we just jump into it with both feet right now let's let's start off with the quarterback position now this one probably one of the biggest question marks for Fresno State right now um, yes we had some uh, had a, a couple of players transfer into Fresno State at that quarterback position and we have some uh, some players that are still behind uh, competing for that position but right now is this a wide open race or is it really coming down to two workhorses yeah you know it's being described as a wide open race for the most part uh, they had six quarterbacks in the spring it's down to four now after uh, Jalen Henderson went to Texas A&M, Matt Robinson no longer with the program either. Um, so there's still four holdovers from the spring, and you know, they were all getting an equal chance before. Uh, you know, it, it probably is coming down to Mikey Keene and Logan Fife, but Joshua Wood is still considered in that competition, and Jason Mandel, the true freshman, is also going to get a fair shot you know, to see if he's ready. Um, you know, and I, I, I feel pretty strongly that it's probably going to be Mikey Keene at the end. They brought him in from UCF for a reason. You know, he's it's one of the few Bulldogs on the team with a, a pretty decent NIL deal. Um, you know, there's a lot riding on him for what he has already done at UCF, having started what 12 games, went eight and three or, or seven and three one year, one and oh, two and oh, as a starter backup replacement last year in some big games. and. You know, he has done it, and it doesn't necessarily mean it's exactly going to transfer over, but if it's anywhere close, it, it seems like he's the guy that, that fills in for Jake Hayner and, and gets Fresno State as close as they can to what they had before. Uh, but I will say that was the narrative all spring, and you know, the one real 11-on-11 look we got at the team during the spring preview, Logan Fife looked really improved, and uh, probably had a better day than Keene, actually, during the spring preview. So. Um, the narrative is one thing, but I mean, they still have to practice here for four weeks and uh, Logan Fife is definitely going to give it a run and uh, deserves to be as close as he can in this competition. Uh, but what we've seen with Keen, you know, a lot of similar attributes to Hainer, uh, the way he played at UCF was a similar style and that kind of fits the mold of what coach Tedford's looking for. So probably looking at those two guys to see how they could do Joshua Wood again, um, really highly rated recruit last year as a true freshman, and he's made a lot of strides. Might have the highest ceiling in the room, but 
they got to go with the guy that's most prepared to take on Purdue week one. And I think that's probably going to be Keen. Yeah, so it's uh, it's definitely going to be interesting to see coming down to the final days if, if anybody's going to be able to kind of close the gap or pull away from each other. Uh, but as it stands right now, uh, you were, it's more and more likely to be keen in that starting position. Um, but, you know, that's why they practice, right, Jackson? Like anything could happen from now until then, uh, <laughs> barring any injuries, of course. So we'll see how things shake out as uh, as fall camp starts to, to wind up. Uh, now, the next position is also another position that had a big question mark. Um, not, uh, not too sure uh, who's going to take that leading starring role at the running back position. Uh, but at this point, um, it's pretty much running back by com- uh, committee until somebody separates themselves. Right, Jackson? Yeah, you know, I, I think Malik Sherrod, of course, he was the backup last year, but the Bulldogs did bring in Damian Moore from Cal, and they've got three true freshmen coming in. Uh, some of these guys, I think, are really going to give it a run here, especially Brandon Ramirez, the local from San Joaquin Memorial. Uh, I would not be surprised at all if he has a role on offense. Um, Devin Rivers and Charles Greer as well in that group. Um, there's some returners as well. Elijah Gilliam has really outperformed his walk-on status from when he got here. He's been kind of right behind Sherrod for a lot of this time. Jonathan Arsenault was hurt the last couple of years and might be ready to break out. So but this thing could go a lot of different directions, but I do think Sherrod is, is number one, regardless of how it plays out. But the question is going to be, can the, the 5'8", 173-pound Sherrod carry the ball and test the ball as much as Jordan Mims did last year or um, or as Ronnie Rivers did for a couple of years before that? Or what I kind of think is going to happen is it's going to look more like 2017 and 18, where if you remember, the Bulldogs had Ronnie Rivers, they had Jordan Mims in their early years, they had Josh Hokett, they had DeJounte O'Neal, four different running backs all playing, whereas Basically, the last four seasons, the Bulldogs have only relied on one running back at a time. So I think it's going to be a little bit of both. I think Sherrod is going to be the guy that steps in, but that he's not going to have to carry the load the same way. And I think we're going to see a couple of different weapons emerge with some different skill sets. Uh, Gilliam and Moore, both kind of uh, power backs. They're both 5'10", 215, almost the exact same weight you know, in that range. So one of those guys, I think, will be in the committee. And then... Um, you know, I think someone else, maybe one of the smaller backs or you know, maybe an Arsenal, someone else will carve out a role, I think, before it's all said and done. So that's my mindset, but uh, we'll see how practice runs here and uh, who kind of emerges, which one of the freshmen looks like they're ready, and uh, also who stays healthy. I mean, that's it's always tough. It seems like you always lose a running back or, or two, maybe even in a, a fall camp when you got nine on the roster. So uh, that's a possibility as well. Yeah, with everybody fighting for every uh, inch and every – uh, minute they can it's it they tend to push themselves pretty hard so the goal for the bulldogs is to get out of fall camp without any significant injuries um and uh we'll see we'll see how that turns out and and kind of plays a, a factor as fall camp starts now the next position um the wide receiver position that's another position where the Bulldogs are going to be reloading at uh, for offensive uh, weaponry and um well, they've got two big players that they have to replace. Um, and do they have enough to do that, Jackson? I know they added enough uh, players on the offseason to kind of bring in uh, a little bit more uh, blood into the situation. But where do you see the wide receiver position standing? Yeah, it's going to be tough to expect them to be where they were last year with the type of talent. Jalen Moreno-Cropper and Nico Romigio both having really good uh, training camps right now in the NFL. Both have been getting some headlines. Uh, Cropper with the Cowboys and Remigio with the Chiefs. Don't forget Zane Pope as well. He's in the CFL right now, as well as Joshua Kelly, who would have been the undoubted number one wide receiver on this team had he not transferred to Washington State. So, I mean, that's a lot. And uh, Ty Jones as well is gone. You know, there's uh, some other pieces too, but uh, and this year's team really only has two proven guys. Eric Brooks uh, has really played a key role, even with all those other players on the team the last couple of seasons. Magdalena as well has gotten some opportunities, and it's just seemingly waiting his turn to be the guy, and now it's here. So you feel good about those two. 
I think you can feel good about Jalen Gill coming in from Boston College. Uh, he has some of those Nico Romijo type skills and kind of a similar background too, where um, probably in an offense that wasn't a great fit for him and probably a lot more talented than his stats suggest. Uh, so I expect him to be a big time playmaker for the Bulldogs on offense, as well as potentially special teams. If he be, uh, becomes a returner, we hit on that a little bit later. Um, you know, and then there's just like a whole bunch of other guys <laughs> have uh, that don't have a lot of uh, you know experience, but could end up being big guys for Fresno State. Amoria Edwards, if he's healthy, you factor him in there. Had a really tough time with injuries during his Bulldog career, and is coming off of an October injury where not sure if he's going to be ready for fall camp. Um, Josiah Freeman is a junior college addition from a year ago who redshirted last year. It looked like he was probably going to be a starter based off of the spring lineup. He was in the first team more often than not. Jalen Moss, the best recruit in Fresno State's 2022 class. He redshirted as a true freshman last year, uh, was a big-time player for the Bulldogs in the spring. Looks like he would probably be in the rotation. Um, you know, they brought in three different junior college players in the spring. Artis Cole, Antoine Sullivan, Tim Greer, who were all kind of fighting for second-team spots. Uh, J.C. on Doss has also been added. Since then, a fourth junior college recruit, so we'll see where he stands. Um, there's Jordan Brown, who caught two touchdowns in the spring game as a slot receiver. Wouldn't count him out. Uh, there's a few more pieces on the roster as well. But uh, one other transfer, Michael Barkley, coming from uh, Toledo. He was at TCU before that. So, I mean, he's a guy that uh, could be a playmaker, if not this year, maybe next year. I believe he's going to get a, a medical red shirt. Um, so there's just a, I don't think there's any lack of talent. It's not as much talent as last year, but I think there's talent for Fresno State to be plenty good at wide receiver this season. But it's a matter of you know, getting those growing pains out of the way, getting everyone to mesh together on offense early in the season when they're not used to playing together. Or in Pat McCann's particular offense, it's going to be a little bit different with him being the offensive coordinator. So a lot of things have to come together, but I think they've got all the pieces to the puzzle that they need to be pretty good at that position. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot to, to to really replace on offense at the wide receiver position. Now, if they can just you know do at least 70 to 80% of what those guys used to do, I think the Bulldogs <laughs> will be fine. Um, it's uh, yeah. uh, But they've got a lot to, to really fill in for those guys who who departed, and whether or not they're going to have enough, um, only time will tell. So we'll have to see how, how the wide receiver group meshes together because – if 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 two if one or two players break out at the wide receiver position, um, this should be uh, an interesting, fun season for the Bulldogs. Now, supporting the wide receivers, of course, is the tight end position. One position that it seems like every year kind of gets overlooked. Uh, one aspect to another, um, you know, in the past, uh, some of the offenses that Pat Hill would run really heavily revolved around the tight end position. Uh, whereas this, uh, the last few years it the tight end position has been kind of quiet. So I don't know, Jackson is, is, is that going to change this year or is it going to be more of the same or that, that tight end just kind of blends into the offense? Yeah, it could. I think that no matter how good the Bulldogs were at tight end last season and the year before that, really, uh, just all the wide receivers they had, it's just hard to justify taking targets away from all those talented wide receivers and redistributing them to tight ends. Uh, Juan Rodriguez for a few years, you know, I think if the team looked different, could have had some pretty good numbers at, at tight end. Um, and I think Raymond Powell's last year who started and has now graduated and moved on, uh, I, mean, I mean, he had a lot of highlights in practice. Still had, you know, a decent amount of catches this past season. Scored a few times, but you know, certainly not as much as he was capable of had the Bulldogs not been so good at receivers. So, this is kind of a safety net here. If the Bulldogs aren't, uh, they don't get the kind of replacement, the reload at receiver that they're looking for. Some of these tight ends could fill the void, and one that definitely stands out is Trey Watson. Uh, he's been banged up uh, last year. He got a season-ending injury against San Diego State. His true freshman year before that, they tried to get him you know, some design plays just because he had so much talent <laughs> in practice. And 
it was hard to, to get him too many reps, but he got a few. And that was kind of his perfect chance to really become one of those top targets for the Bulldogs. He's six foot five, two forty five, uh, wide wingspan, wide range, uh, catching radius. I mean, it's not going to be hard for Fresno State to get him the ball. Um, I'd even see a, you know a few short passes and let him even run on the ground a little bit. He's got some speed and athleticism to him at that size, so he can just about do it all as a receiver. Uh, but beyond Watson, the Bulldogs also bring back Jake Bowes to play a significant role last year alongside Raymond Powell's. And I think the one-two of Bowes and Watson puts Fresno State in, in really good shape here. But there are some others in the room. Uh, Jake Tarwater is a junior college addition who really looked the part in the spring. Uh, nice receiving tight end who's got some good size at 6'3", 242. Um, played some quarterback earlier in his career. He's getting the hang of tight end now. Um, a couple of freshmen are in here, uh, Brock Liam and Richie Anderson. Uh, Anderson is one of Fresno State's highest-rated recruits. He uh, was originally evaluated as a linebacker, but the Bulldogs wanted him for offense. And Brock Liam, so Anderson, 6'4", 237, which is, he's ready to go. Uh, but a really intriguing guy in Brock Liam is the other freshman who was also not quite evaluated as a tight end at 24-7 sports. He was an athlete because he's 6'5", and he's only 206 pounds right now, which you, know, you can't imagine him in the trenches, but he kind of did it all for his high school. He even returned a couple kicks. <laughs> he's just a, a very you know, unique athlete that can kind of do it all with such height. And, um, so he's a guy that is probably not ready for a full-time tight end role, but might be able to play in some unique packages or find some ways to make him a little bit of a role player sooner rather than later. Um, oh, Cameron Beecham as well, sophomore. He's probably the next guy with Jake Tarwater be on that second team. Beecham's come along quite a bit. Uh, and then lastly, Tyler Carr. David Carr's son is here. He kind of exceeded expectations in the spring. He, he was a little uh, bigger and more athletic than I anticipated. So it, it's a good tight end room. They're pretty deep. There are uh, seven players right now that are in that room. And uh, But ultimately for this year's team, Watson and Bouse are going to be the two guys that uh, really put Fresno State in a good position, and uh, if needed, Tarwater and Beecham are ready as reinforcements. Yeah, and and it, so this is going to be uh, interesting to see how this the tight end team is going to develop this this group of guys. Uh, but of course, none of this is all going to matter, Jackson, if if they're unable to pass block <laughs> or, or run block, right? So that that leaves us with the big question mark: What are the Bulldogs going to do on the offensive line position? Something that has been a kind of, well, for lack of a better term, a hot mess the last few years. So, Jackson, what do you see happening with the offensive line? Yeah, that's the kind of weird part about this roster you've got a lot of positions on offense with new players that you're kind of optimistic about just because they're new guys and you think that they're going to do well but you've got a lot of returners on the o-line and you just know the history of the past few years hasn't been great for the o-line so maybe you're not all that excited about having returning players there but uh, i think there's some reasons you can expect some improvement i think brian armstrong the new assistant coach uh, you know, we're still kind of a wait and see what happens with the final project, but uh, he had a really good resume coming from Montana State, and you know, particularly in the running game. I, I know the pass blocking is what for, you know, Fresno State fans are most concerned about, but um, definitely had had some good run schemes at Montana State, which could end up helping the Bulldogs if they utilize some of that stuff. Um, Personnel-wise, they didn't hit the portal very hard, didn't hit junior college very hard, but they did get two key pieces that could be real difference makers. Um, Kingsley Ugu coming from Kansas State, a guy that was a junior college product there, originally from Arizona. Uh, I think that you know, if he can be one of those tackles for Fresno State, that could be an upgrade. Uh, you know, He didn't play a whole lot at Kansas State, Big 12 champions, but um, was on the, the second team, so there's not a lot of game film on him to really get a good feel. Uh, but I think the expectation is that he's supposed to be a starting level player. He comes as a senior, and you know if, if he is as good as they hope, that would be an upgrade. The other one is Hayden Poulos, coming from Fresno City, originally from right there, nearby in Hanford High School, uh, 6'5", 285. He was a, a junior college All-American two years back, and then uh, tore his ACL right before the 2022 season. Sounded like he was probably going to be a Power 5 prospect before 
that was a lot of schools backed off when he got hurt. He's also a tackle. So, uh, I mean, if you have Poulos and Ugu at the two tackle positions and their upgrades from what you had the year before, and that could go a long way uh, for this team. We already saw in the spring where the Bulldogs were experimenting with Jacob Spomer, last year's left tackle at center. Since he is 6'3", 284, not exactly prime tackle size. Uh, they think that he could be a, a really good center. Um, and then there's not many question marks to answer if, if those three things fill, uh, you know, go according to plan. You've got Mose Vavaro back at guard, one of your only All-Mountain West preseason, preseason players. And then you've got a whole bunch of other guys that can play that other guard position. Tyron Sampson, um, Jacob Isaiah, uh, Osmar Velez. Uh, Osmar Velez, I mean, there's a lot of guys that have been kind of rotating this last year at that guard position, both guard positions that uh, could be that, that kind of last starter if everything goes to plan. Braden Nelson as well is a guy that uh, has filled in very nicely the last two years and whether it's been tackle or guard. So, I mean, there's a good eight or nine guys that are going to be competing for starting spots here in the fall camp. And so a lot of it's got to play out. And um, yeah, the thing that Coach Tedford has talked about with that group is just finding the best five and finding out how to get them all on the field at the same time. Uh, there's a lot of these O-linemen that can play multiple positions. And so uh, some that can play tackle or guard and, trying to figure out who's the best five and then molding the line around them. So they seem to be pretty confident about the group, but for me, uh, a lot is riding on Pulis and Ugu really being as good as they're hoping for. Uh, if they are, then this should be a much better O-line. You know, if it's they're kind of equal to the guys that they're replacing or don't pan out or, or suffer injuries, then uh, it could be a lot of the same on the O-line. So, that's kind of a make or break group for me right now and, and how fall camp develops is going to be a big indicator of which way it's going. Yeah, this is going to, it's definitely going to show a lot of how the Bulldogs are going to be able to compete on the offense. It all revolves around this offensive line. <laughs> and um, <laughs> if the offensive line can gel and gel early in the season, um, it could mean a very good uh, year for the Bulldogs on offense if they're able to give the quarterback enough enough time to kind of see the field. So this is definitely going to be the focal point this year, uh, trying to get that offensive line to gel just long enough <laughs> for the Bulldogs <laughs> to do something. Um, now, uh, on the flip side of things, of course, that brings us to the defensive side of things. And, of course, uh, on the defensive line, it's been uh, it's been pretty good the last few years. So, so Jackson, break that down. How, how does the, the Bulldogs look defensively on that line um, on the other side of the ball? Yeah, I mean, this one big hole with David Perales leaving uh, undrafted free agents to the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, seems to be sticking there so far. Um, I mean, really, other than that, just about everyone's back. Bulldogs did lose Leonard Payne to Colorado, but you know, he wasn't much of a factor for most of the year. He, he did end up starting or being a key defensive tackle the last couple of games when the defense was really good. Uh, I think that probably had a little bit to do with it. Um, David Prowlis being hurt the last couple of games and Devo Bridges moving to end. Vince uh, Payne played a lot at tackle the last couple of games, but you know he didn't. He wasn't the guy that Fresno State was anticipating him to be last year for the large majority of the season. So uh, I don't think you can count that as a, a huge loss in terms of production, at least. Um, but Prowlis is, is a, a major one. Uh, Fresno State was pretty successful in the pass rush with 29 sacks last season, but was 11 and a half by David Perales and uh, about two and then one and a half and one from the other guys. Uh, it was really uh, top heavy with Perales getting a lot of those sacks. So the Bulldogs have to replace that. And that's going to be a challenge. Uh, Coach Tedford believes they're uh, probably deeper and more talented overall. And maybe they'll have more guys that get five or six sacks rather than a, a 10 sack type of player that replaces Perales. Um, but right now the plan is for Devo Bridges to move to end. Uh, you've got Isaiah Johnson back at the other end. You've got Johnny Hudson back at tackle. And that moves the hole from defensive end to tackle. Um, and it looks like Gabriel Lightfoot's probably going to be that starter. He started as a true freshman, only 17 years old, as the Bulldogs starting tackle last year. Got dinged up, kind of 
faded out of uh, the rotation a little bit. So uh, fresh start this year for Lightfoot. It looks like he's probably going to be that guy this year. Um, and then the second team, they've gotten some, I don't want to necessarily say more depth, but new depth. Uh, they, there's been some turnover in the, the rest of the roster for the D-line, but they added a lot of junior college players. Supreme Mendoza came in the spring, six foot four. He was at 330. He's down to 305 right now, but a really big uh, body um, that could be kind of a, a nose type of defensive lineman for them. Uh, they bring in uh, Chakiva Baumgartner, a uh, pretty touted defensive tackle out of College of San Mateo. Uh, Ezra Christensen was a big commit for Fresno State out of San Diego Mesa College. Uh, really interesting story, a uh, really unique background from him, and just really starting to realize his potential right now. And uh, was a guy that could really, really turn into something special here and, and might be ready to, to play a big role. Uh, they also got a sack specialist out of Idaho from the Vandals, Kamari uh, Bailey, six foot three, two thirty edge rusher, who uh, was their leading sacker last year. And so, there are a lot of different pieces they can kind of throw out there and work with. And um, you still have quite a few other players that contributed last year: Charles Remlinger, Sio Manoa. Um, uh, I'm blanking on another one. Um, I mean, Jason Jax was in there before he, he got hurt. So, you know, there's a, I mean, they're going to have a, 11 or 12 guys that are going to want to have a role. But uh, the big thing is having your main four, five, or six guys and a couple of players that can really get in the backfield. Because uh, that was a key part of Fresno State's defense. Uh, for me, the cornerback play was so good, and, and they didn't have to be in coverage too long with the pass rush that the Bulldogs were getting. So, uh, hopefully they find someone to, to get in the backfield, and if they do, uh, it's possible they could be better than last year, at least equal. Yeah, it's going to be uh, interesting to see just how how they're going to be able to cope without having Perales there, uh, wreaking havoc on on the uh, uh, on the offense. Uh, I mean, he he last year, uh, even when hurt, he was a force to be reckoned with on the field. So <laughs> it is going to be something uh, that we'll have to keep an eye on. This is he to see just how the Bulldogs are able to kind of readjust uh, without Perales there and, and see if maybe somebody else comes out of the, comes out of the shadows to, to, to really take over a, a defense. So the, moving on to the next position, that, that'll bring us to the linebackers. Now, the linebackers, again, another strength that, that we've had for the Bulldogs here the last few years. Is it going to be more of the same this year? Yeah, you got Lavelle Bailey and Malachi Langley back. And they handled the large majority of the reps last year and did it so very well. So you feel really good about having them come back and hopefully taking even a, a step further. I think both of them are going to have a case to be all conference players by the end of the year. If it's not first team, at least second team or honorable mention, uh, they were kind of left out of the accolades at Mountain West Media Days recently. But I definitely think they're two of the better linebackers in the conference based on what they've done already. Um, but they do have a chance to be deeper and they have a chance to use some different packages this year with that depth. Uh, Phoenix Jackson uh, has earned a scholarship and this offseason and was kind of the number three for a lot of last year. He's going to be in the mix. Um, Raymond Scott is back. Uh, he was supposed to be a big addition early in the year. After uh, he then was injured, and we didn't see him pretty much the rest of the way. So uh, the USC transfer, we'll see if he gets involved. Another USC transfer to a CV Nomura, who is just a uh, guy that flies all over the field, whether he's rushing the edge or uh, dropping back into pass coverage, kind of an outside linebacker, which is not necessarily a position the Bulldogs have, but they could have some different packages for him to do some of that. So that's an intriguing option for them. And a bunch of players that have kind of been waiting their turn uh, and have been battling for spots on the depth chart, uh, whether it's Zeke Branham, um, whether it's uh, Tyler Mello or uh, Tanner Blunt, um, Tim Thomas, the redshirt freshman, had a really good spring and was even taking second-team reps. So um, there's a lot of options, and uh, I think they're doing a good job developing the guys that are going to be next. But uh, if you are Fresno State, you hope that they don't have to see a whole lot of playing time if uh, Langley and, and Bailey are just out there doing their thing for most of the season. Yeah, it's uh, it definitely going to gonna be fun to watch these guys out there. 
Um, but you know, the, the defense has always been, uh, really good on defensive line and the linebackers, but a lot of it always had to do with having a couple of good cornerbacks at the defensive back position. Um, I, and notoriously Fresno state's kind of hit and miss at the cornerback position, Jackson. <laughs> so where are the Bulldogs this year? And is that going to help uh, bolster the rest of the defense by having some lockdown corners? Yeah, this year is definitely hit as long as the two guys stay healthy. Uh, Cam Lockridge and Carlton Johnson. I mean, I think they played as good a cornerback play as I can remember in a long time for Fresno state down the final stretch of the season. And they're both back. So, uh, really, really good shape for the Bulldogs there. I do know that Coach J.D. Williams has typically had three or four cornerbacks to rotate or you know, go with to make a change if needed. And there's not a lot of depth in the room right now, so that scares me a bit. And it makes me worry, you know, if Johnson and Lockridge, if one or both were to be injured, they, they, they could turn from a hit to a miss really quickly and uh, change the outlook of this team because, the reason I'm so excited about this year's team is because I think the defense is going to be one of the best, if not the best, in the group of five, and uh, that should buy the offense some time to, to figure things out. Um, but there are a couple of players behind those two that could be you know, the talented guys we just haven't seen much of yet. I know they're very, very high on Alzillian Hamilton. I think he's probably the reason they didn't go out and get a transfer or junior college player late in the process. Um I mean, he is really, really impressed during practice. So he's probably the next guy up. There's a few others. Jamarian Briggs was one of the Bulldogs' best recruits in last year's class. Still young, still haven't seen him much. He was hurt last fall camp, and so uh, hasn't got a lot of practice reps. Um, Julian Neal moved from safety to cornerback. So uh, he's a guy that is, they're trying to see what he can do there. Maybe if he can fill in, be on the two deep and uh, they brought in some freshmen, Amarion Ashley, uh, out of uh, the Modesto area, or uh, Stockton. Um, he's originally from Florida, but um, moved a little closer to Fresno the last couple of years. And uh, Makai Thompson is another three-star freshman coming in out of Mira Mesa High School down south. So uh, really, really good on the front line, but big question mark on the depth for this group, having Kale Sanders and uh, Braylon Lux both departing. Uh, I don't think they were massive losses as far as putting a good starting lineup out there, but it would have been nice to have those kinds of guys uh, as next in line. And, and, you know, they go hand in hand with the nickelback position too, where Maurice Norris could probably play a couple of different positions, whether it's cornerback or safety. Uh, he was such a surprise last year and did so well in his role that um, uh, he could maybe move around. But that is another place where depth is not a premium. Uh, Justin Houston got banged up in the spring and, might not be ready to go here in fall camp. And then they've got a bunch of freshmen, uh, R.L. Miller and Augustus Remlinger in that room. They've got Charles and Charles trying to learn nickel after being a linebacker the last couple of years. So so if uh, Norris, Lockridge, and Johnson are on the field for 12 to 14 games, I think this is going to be a really, really good season for Fresno State. You know, and if they get dinged up there, it could become troublesome. Yeah, that's the hard part. I mean, they they have some two good players on the ends, uh, but the depth behind them is where it's lacking a little bit. So if uh, if one of those guys go down, it, then the Bulldogs could be in some trouble uh, as far as uh, having the the quality depth because I, I I believe it kind of significantly drops off, doesn't it, Jackson? Yeah, you know, I, I think Hamilton's going to pan out. I was really in Hamilton there, but. I have a hard time seeing, you know, it looks like a pretty good drop off from number three to number four. I mean, there's talent there, but are they ready right now? I, it's just on paper, it doesn't look like it, but, um, you know, and then even if it is there, you know, if you have to throw one of those guys into the fire compared to having veteran starters like, uh, Lockridge and Johnson, it could be a tough go. Yeah. So that's, uh, that'll be, uh, keep your fingers crossed kind of a moment <laughs> right now for the Bulldogs. Uh, but that being said, the other position left on defense is, is another big one. Um, Bulldogs in the past have notoriously been strong at these positions and that's the safety position. So where do you see things landing this year at the safety position for the Bulldogs? 
Yeah, so, I mean, losing Evan Williams was a, a massive blow, uh, not just on paper, but kind of in the locker room, too. I mean, they thought maybe Evan Williams would go pro. Coach Tedford even said they had a lot of talks about whether he might come back or whether he'd go pro, but transfer portal was not in the equation. <laughs> That's ultimately what happened with him going to Oregon. So that was a big hit. But I think they got exactly what they needed in the transfer portal with Dean Clark uh, coming out of Kent State. Um, a senior uh, veteran type of guy. He's a leader. He, two years ago, had over well over 100 tackles for the Golden Flashes. So, I mean, when he's been out there, he's been very impressive. Uh, but he did uh, suffer a bad ACL injury last year, missed almost all the season. And so, looks. I mean, he practiced all spring for the Bulldogs. Looks like he's ready to go um, as long as he's out there and healthy. I mean, does a lot of the same things as Evan Williams. He's even wearing number 32, like Evan Williams did. So I don't think there's going to be a big drop-off right there with him replacing Williams. Uh, there's a lot of safeties that have been battling for the other spot. It looks like Stephen Comstock pretty much claimed it in the spring, had that one-handed interception in the spring preview. That was really nice to see. I think he is a guy that um, has all the tools to be a safety and probably could have done it a couple of years ago. Um, but he went through some injury stuff himself and uh, then some other players emerged, the you know, LJ Earlies and the uh, Elijah Gates over the past couple of seasons who are now gone. So, um, you know, better late than never for Comstock. He's going into his uh, super senior year here, but I think he's re- ready to, to take that on. And I think it's going to be a strong duo. And I think they have some depth there too. Uh, Kosti Agina, um, Krishan Gordon. I mean, these are a couple of guys that have played, especially Gordon, played some roles for Fresno State in the secondary over the course of last year. Um, there's quite a few other players, Jaden Davis. Um, Jalen Williams was back there with the safety group, moving from corner in the spring. Um, Cam Baracha, even from Fresno City as a walk-on, had a really impressive spring. So uh, they've got some, some options there, even behind the starters. So that's a room that I was really concerned about after the season. They had uh, three graduates plus Williams. And um, it's a room that after the spring, I uh, feel pretty good about both with the starring lineup and with the depth behind them. Yeah. So that's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch to see how all of these players kind of gel together. Uh, but for the, f- for, uh, for how things are looking, Jackson, which one do you give the edge to, offense or defense? Yeah, definitely defense right now. Um, and especially if they stay healthy, I think it's going to be defense all year. But it's one of those things where, you know, as mentioned, um, I think the the drop-off from the starters to the backups that some of the spots on defense could be troublesome. And so it could you know, hypothetically be defense at the beginning of the year, offense at the end of the year. <laughs> if the defense loses some guys and you know the offense starts to really click, now for me, I, I think the offense is it's kind of it is what it is the first few weeks, which they're going to be big games at Purdue and at Arizona State. Um, and, uh, and then there's the home game against Eastern Washington sandwiched in there. Uh, but I think the home games against uh, Kent State and Nevada, I think, are the time where this offense is going to be able to get comfortable, settle in, and uh, really be prepared to make a run for a conference championship. So uh, I think by midseason, this offense is going to be clicking. Yeah, that should be fun to watch. Um, you know, have the defense hold the hold the Bulldogs in there, and then have the offense catch up, and then uh, and then it's off to the races. So hopefully, <laughs> this will be a good season for the Bulldogs. But again, too many question marks at the moment to give a clear picture as to where the Bulldogs stand. So as fall camp begins, Jackson will have a clearer picture to to deliver uh, back to you. So just uh, stay tuned for that. But before we wrap up that coverage, we almost forgot the special teams, Jackson. So do we even have somebody that's going to be kicking the ball this year? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's uh, about double the uh, the legs this year on the team. They uh, they've got three kickers again this year, but they've got three punters. There was really only one on last year's roster. So um, Carson King is back at punter, but they've added Landon Ogles, a junior college transfer, as well as Nick Vertigo, who was at Old Dominion last year. And um, they bring back Abe Montano and Dylan Lynch, who both 
with a kicker at times during last season. Montano was dealing with some injury troubles, had surgery in the off season, and it's looking like uh, you know, he's going to be ready and that he'll be back to what he was. Uh, I think some of his play during last season had to do with uh, some injury issues. So uh, whether Montano gets back to what he was or maybe they call on Lynch, I think they're okay there. They also added Jordan Kennedy from Mississippi State. Uh, so a lot of kickers, six, three kickers, three punters in the team this year. They got a lot of options. And uh, the two long snappers are back, Nick Diambra and Michael Munoz. Um, so a, a nice, solid group of eight guys that are all specialists. And uh, I'm sure Coach Baxter's uh, feeling pretty comfortable with those. Uh, but there's a big question about who's going to be the returner um, with Nico Remigio leaving, who handled all the punt returns and the kick returns last year. And about the only other guy that returned kicks for the Bulldogs last year was Malik Sherrod. And if he's your starting running back, I don't think you want him returning kicks and then you know, being ready to take that next snap right after that. So uh, a lot of up for grabs. I do think um, Jalen Gill, as I mentioned earlier from Boston College, was brought in to be that guy. Um, Michael Barkley from Toledo, another receiver, does some of that. Um, I know Carlton Johnson is one of the fastest guys on the team. I think they might give him a shot. So, um, I mean, it's a, a big question mark, not just because of, uh, you know, someone's got to replace Remigio, but that Coach Baxter was very calculated last year with bringing in Nico Remigio and how they used him. And so I don't think it's just uh, put out a talented athlete out there. They're, they're really going to mold someone into playing that position and being an impact player so that, it's still a weapon for this team as it was last year. Yeah, uh, it's uh, going to be fun to watch uh, seeing who they put there for Remigio because we were getting kind of used to seeing somebody who uh, would <laughs> make a few people miss. Uh, however, um, do they do they roll the dice and put somebody in there with that capability who is also a starter? I, I don't know, Jackson. They did it last year with Remigio, but... Remigio's Remigio. He's, he's, a, he's a different beast. Um, so we'll see how, how they kind of translate that. Now, you said one name in there that I'm like, what? He's, he's still here playing? Uh, Carson King? I mean, this, this guy sound, sounds like a, we've been saying that name forever. <laughs> yeah, there's a, it's nice to have him back for another season. You feel pretty comfortable about the, the puncher position with him back for yet another season. Um, been the, the primary punter for going on four years now and he was here for two years before that <laughs> so he's one of the handful of super seniors the sixth year guys that are taking advantage of both a red shirt and a uh, covid waiver year uh, there's a few of them on this team i'm trying to think off the top of my head i i think raymond scott's a sixth year guy amorie edwards um stephen comstock as mentioned earlier is one of those guys tyrone sampson um, so there's a few uh, of these six-year players that uh, well, there's still a couple more years where there will be a, a handful of those on, uh, across college football uh, for each season. Yeah, so it's uh, I was as soon as I heard that name, I was like, wait a minute, he's still here. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess there's a handful of those players still still milking that uh, that COVID year and and just trying to extend their career just by one more year so far. But uh, but yeah. We'll we'll see how that all comes into play uh, this upcoming season. Now, Jackson, uh, you know that's the coverage of, of our preview for the fall camp. But recently, there has been some news swirling around because you know you and I talked about this the last last week's podcast. But you know we weren't thinking we were going to be doing this 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 quickly again. But Conference realignment rears its ugly head again, Jackson. <laughs> um, another domino dropped, which means a lot of other instability happening. Um, of course, that means uh, with Colorado uh, uh, jumping ship from the Pac-12 and heading over to the Big 12, uh, how does that kind of shake up things all of a sudden now for the Bulldogs' hopes uh, in, in possibly going to a Power 5 conference? Yeah, it's, you know, the Bulldogs have had their eye on the Big 12 and, you know, does this open a door for them or does it close one? It's kind of hard to tell. Um, the, the Big 12 has a, acquired Colorado. It looks like Arizona is probably next on their radar. 
Um, and, and UConn has kind of emerged as maybe that next team for them too. I think Fresno State is just right behind, if not equal to UConn, and maybe Memphis. I know there's a lot of rumors flying around, a lot of noise about Pac-12 schools, but um, you know, unless they can pull off an Oregon or a Washington, which I don't think is realistic, um, then I think there's an opening for Fresno State in the Big 12, but Oh, if they do get Oregon and or Washington, it's probably going to close pretty quickly. Um, but right now, I think the realistic path is that they get Arizona to go to 14, or if not, a UConn or a Fresno State to 14. And you know, Either way, if it's not Fresno State, you kind of cross your fingers that Fresno State will be that team at 15 or 16. I think it's not over yet for the Big 12. They've been talking about going to 16, and the Bulldogs would still be among that short list of schools. Uh, I think the only thing that could disrupt anything further for that for the Bulldogs is maybe they get Colorado and Arizona and decide they're done out West. I I don't think, uh, I still think there's things about Fresno State that stand out, being in California, being in the Pacific time zone all year long. I think there's still a a need for Fresno State, even if they get Colorado and Arizona. But, um, and then there's the big question about timing. Is it going to be, 14 right now is it going to be 16 right now is it going to be 14 and then later 16 maybe in a few years uh, they decide to, to add those next two teams so i think that's where we stand I, I don't think you know there's a lot of talk about the pac-12 just totally falling apart or teams jumping ship uh, to be honest I, I don't from what i'm hearing i don't think the big 12 wants many of those teams to be honest unless they are a uh, an oregon or a washington would be a big haul uh, but even them, you know, they come with the risk of someday them trying to get into the Big Ten. So um, I, I think that the Pac-12 will probably stay at eight schools, no less than six. And they'll probably add San Diego. They will add San Diego State, I'm sure, and probably SMU after that. And um, if they have to add any more, I still don't think it's going to be Fresno State over there. Probably look at Colorado State or UNLV or Tulane. Um, so uh, if you're Fresno State, you got to be all in on the Big 12 <laughs> and hoping that that call comes from them. Yeah, because the Pac-12 just doesn't like Fresno State. So let's just put it out there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> got enough of school, enough schools over there that just do not like the Bulldogs and will do whatever they can to block the entry of the Bulldogs into the Pac-12, whereas the Big 12 uh, still, um, you know, Fresno State hasn't had enough run-ins with them yet, so to speak. <laughs> so I guess that's I guess that's why they still consider Fresno State a viable option. Um, so that that would be the kind of I'm, I'm with you, Jackson. I think the only option for Fresno State to get into a Big Five conference is going to be uh, the Big Twelve, and uh, in order for them to do that, uh, a few dominoes have to fall in Fresno State's uh, favor. Um, because let's face it, it, even with the implosion of the Pac-12, I still don't see Fresno State getting into it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, even if they were the last team they could pick, <laughs> Fresno still would not get into the Pac-12. So let's just leave it at that. Um, but yeah, my only like hypothetical or maybe like the one percent chance. You know, it's maybe if they they do lose Oregon and Washington, I, again, I don't think it's going to happen. But maybe they'll feel so decimated as a football conference that they'll actually try to add football teams. Which uh, there's a very obvious four in the Mountain West. You would get Fresno State, San Diego State, Boise State, Air Force, um, and I think that would be a pretty strong ten team conference. But I think that's just way too many what ifs. And even if they fell to six schools, they still might try to go academic and. Uh, attractive market and that kind of thing and then pass over Fresno State. So, uh, but you know, that's the one thing I'm you know, kind of plan F <laughs> for both sides. Maybe it might work out. <laughs> well, the, is, my thing is, is even if, if the PAC 12 were to implode big time and lose the likes of like Oregon and, and uh, some of those schools and they were left with, with a real small conference, uh, part of me feels instead of adding teams, they would just go independent <laughs> just to avoid not adding Fresno state. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, uh, Stanford might be able to pull that off. I think 
Cal, Oregon State, and uh, and Washington State are the three that don't have a whole lot of leverage in all this. Maybe you know, if the Big Ten wants the Bay Area someday, Cal might be an option. But, um, yeah, and with the Mountain West buyout being about $34 million right now, it's, it's not like that. <laughs> you know, if the Pac-12 wants to add four Mountain West schools, that's going to be a, a hefty fine for them. Yeah, even with uh, you know them struggling to get a, a TV media rights deal done, uh, I don't see them wanting to fork out that kind of money uh, to buy out uh, to buy out the Mountain West uh, teams to bring them on. I mean, hell, they they might just go to a Division Two team and just pull them up instead. <laughs> uh, but you know, all joking around, it's just it's. Right now, it is a time for college football, an uncertainty time. Uh, don't know exactly what's going to happen. Everybody's looking at the Big Ten and the Big 12 to kind of uh, decide the college football landscape. Um, but as it sits, uh, you know, everybody's waiting for those guys to do something to see how the Pac-12 is going to implode. And then you've got everybody else who's just sitting waiting to see what the Pac-12 is going to do. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, Pac-12 is going to try and probably keep their their teams in a in a close proximity. Uh, so they're going to try and not go too far to the east, I believe, Jackson. If, if I'm not mistaken, the Pac-12 doesn't like going all the way across the country. Yeah, I think, you know, they're willing to go to Dallas for SMU, maybe New Orleans for Tulane. I think the only way they go any farther is if the Pac-12 and the ACC came to some sort of an alliance. If the ACC gets plucked, there's a lot of rumors about the Big Ten and the SEC looking at those schools, but that it's probably going to take until after 2030, after some of those contracts ends for that to happen. So a bit of a waiting game, I think, for a lot of that stuff, but there's a big meeting within the Pac-12 on Tuesday is being reported, and I think we're going to get some answers pretty quickly after that, whether Arizona leaves, whether any other surprise schools leave, or what the Big 12's next course of, of adding number 14 to their conference is if uh, they don't get any more Pac-12 schools. Now, you, you hit another uh, nail on the head, and that's that's the uh, the ACC. I mean, there's, there's a couple of schools in there that have been – uh, testing the waters about leaving, haven't they, Jackson? <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, well, there's some uh, the schools that are more attractive than others. <laughs> Just like, you know, USC and UCLA in the Pac-12 and Texas and Oklahoma in the Big 12. Uh, you know, you've got your Florida State and your Clemson and a couple of others, Miami perhaps, um, that are, are going to be targets for the Big 10 and the SEC here if they want to go that way. Um, a few others are probably in play, and I know Tony D has been talking a lot about the these conferences probably someday going from 16 to 20 teams with the Big Ten and the SEC picking off kind of the the next best eight schools, and uh, so that probably means the Big 12 someday will go to 20, and that's where it feels like and somewhere in their plans would be having a school in California, preferably Fresno State, but. Um, now, so this thing's far from over long-term, but uh, short-term, I, I don't think it's going to be as hectic as a lot of the rumors are. I think we're going to see one, probably just one more Pac-12 school take off, and we'll see if things settle down there or um, if there's any more dominoes. I do think the pac is in real trouble with their TV deal. Uh, I don't have much hope for that, but I just don't see where any of these schools go. Um even Washington and Oregon, I, I think it's probably best for them to stay in pat till uh, maybe the Big Ten calls them up someday. Yeah, so I'm getting reminiscence of the WAC 2.0 with the mega <laughs> conference. So um, things are are going definitely uh, from what I have been able to uh, gather uh, that in the next two weeks they, there is going to be kind of like a little bit of a deadline to see some uh, some more movement happening, Jackson. Do you agree with that? I think in the next couple of weeks we might see a little bit more movement if there is any. Yeah, I think the Big 12 wants to have whatever they're doing done before kickoff. Um, and potentially this if they can get Arizona, maybe pretty quick. I mean, with this Pac-12 interview on Tuesday, Arizona should know what the TV options are for the Pac-12. 
and then they should be able to make a decision pretty quick if they want to stick around or uh, head off to the Big 12. And then um, the Big 12 from there, you know, if they don't get Arizona, uh, they can act pretty quickly, I think, on whatever school they want to be number 14. I think that's UConn right now. Maybe it's Fresno State. Um, and if they do get Arizona, uh, they can also decide whether to uh, settle down or add those next two schools, which – uh, could be UConn, could be Fresno State, maybe Memphis. I, I just don't think any other schools are really in the picture for them outside of those three. So, you know, if the right scenarios happen, the odds sound kind of good for Fresno State, but you know, there's just no telling which way it's going to go. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a uh, quite a uh, a circus. Uh, so to speak. So uh, we will not know more. Uh, I mean, we could be talking today and tomorrow well, something happens. So we have no idea what is going to happen from day to day. All we can do is speculate. All we can do is report all the latest rumors. Um, and right now, um, I, I don't know, Jackson. I don't think there's any that we can actually put our finger on saying, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many people talking right now that it's 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 hard to uh to kind of decipher what's going to happen but the only thing we can do is keep an eye out um and see what happens in the next couple of weeks because like jackson said there's going to be some stuff that's going to happen that may trigger some changes or it may trigger nothing <laughs> so uh we'll see what happens uh but we'll keep you up to date as things start to progress we're heading into fall camp we're gonna be putting out these podcasts on a more regular fashion so keep an eye on that now bef- that being said jackson before we wrap this up you know there's there is some promos out there for those listeners out there who are still trying to figure out whether or not they want to go get a premium subscription for the bark board, there are some promos coming and Jackson, uh, break it down. What do we got, uh, to offer, uh, our listeners as a, as a little bit of a, a break on some of the pricing. Yes. Uh, we've got an offer that is exactly for just the type of people you were mentioning. Um, if you're not sure if you want to join VIP on Tuesday, August 1st, it's free VIP day, 24 <laughs> seven sports. It's taken down the paywall across the entire network, including barkboard.com. Uh, so you've got until uh, 9 p.m. on Tuesday uh, to go read and watch and take in as much VIP content as you can uh, for no charge. And um, we're also going to be offering 75% off VIP during that time. Uh, so if you like what you see and you want to become a member, it's uh, 75% off. It's only $2.24 per month that breaks down to uh, nine quarters. (laughs) So it's about as cheap as we can possibly offer it. Um, The VIP, the free VIP day is going to end Tuesday evening, but the sale is going to go on until Thursday, August 3rd, which is the first day of fall camp. So uh, typically our most well-received report of the entire year is day one of fall camp um, on Thursday. Uh, So, that's going to be available for 75% off if you, you get in there and um, are able to, to get that content. Uh, again, just $2.24 per month that breaks down to. Um, and then beyond that, we're going to keep offering some sales. It's going to be 60% off uh, from the 4th to the 7th. Um, so there's going to be uh, all throughout the first week of fall camp, basically the first uh, five, six days. So we're going to have some big sales going on to join VIP and I uh, hope that you take advantage of any of those ones and, and join VIP. We're as large of a subscription base as we've ever had right now. And uh, we want as many red waivers to enjoy it and, and get it for as low of a price as possible. And want to remind as well, um, members that are already VIP subscribers, if you're a monthly subscriber, these deals are also available to you as upgradable um so if you want to save a whole lot of money over your next 12 months this is a subscriber you go ahead and lock in for an annual subscription uh, during these sales and if you're already a full paying member i want to make sure you know that our loyalty perk is a 143 dollar value for free available only to you which is paramount plus you get it for free um, and you also get uh, Showtime is included in that now. I recently added to the Paramount Plus package. Um, so uh, 
just search up uh, 24-7 sports. I think all you have to do, do is go to your profile, and there's an option to uh, activate your Paramount Plus if you're a full-paying member. Um, and so you can go ahead and get that and make sure you're taking advantage of uh, our, our loyalty perk for you, too. Yeah, absolutely. And I can tell you right now firsthand, uh, Paramount Plus is a big selling point. There, You can get a lot of... Uh, a, a, a lot of entertainment off of that streaming service alone and it's something that is included free of charge with a premium subscription to the bark board so if uh, if you're on the fence kind of wondering whether or not you want to do it uh just remember um you get paramount plus <laughs> so uh it is a huge selling point so uh if you haven't done so already head over to the bark board get your premium subscription it is where all the latest news and information is being uh, delivered to you um, prior to hitting the public so it is well worth the price uh, that being said if you're looking for Jackson you can find him on Twitter at Jackson Moore 247 you can find me on Twitter at a red wave report um, if you haven't done so head over to the uh, head over to Facebook and give our Facebook page a like just look for the um, Barkboard.com. I almost said the, the Red Wave Report. I always do that. Uh, just look for the Barkboard.com on Facebook and give it a like. We've got about a 5,000 uh, fans on there already. So uh, keep adding to that community. And of course, head over to the Barkboard.com where we have both free and premium uh, uh, boards where all the fans will go and discuss all the latest news and updates. But, of course, the premium subscription is where you want to be because that's where all the good, juicy information is. So I want to thank everyone for joining us and join us again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics.